0: Welcome to the Unmade Podcast. I'm Tim Burrows. Well, we made it to the end of the official TV year. My guest today to talk about it is Rod Prosser, Chief Sales Officer at CBS, who listeners will know best as the American-based owner of Network 10. Welcome, Rod. Hi, Tim. How are you? Mate, I'm very good, thank you very much. Great, great. Um, Look, before
1: we start, I'd just like to do an acknowledgement of the country, if that's okay. I'd I'd like to thank and acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, which I meet with you on today, and pay my respects to the elders past and present.
0: Well, uh, thank you for that and for doing the honors. Now, I was looking on your LinkedIn profile. Next year, you'll mark a quarter of a century in media sales. Almost all of it in television. Now, that includes 10 years with nine, a couple of years in magazines with ACP and a dozen years with 10. Um, I was thinking you you arrived just after Can West had sold. Then there were a couple of uh, years of relative stability on the ASX before things got a bit wild again when James Packer and Lachlan Murdoch invested. Grant Blackley was sacked as CEO a few months after you joined. James Warburton a couple of years after that. Then there was the administration and being bought by CBS, which then merged with Viacom. Um, And then COVID in 2020. Now, most people are going to look back on 2021 as an eventful year, but for you, I'm guessing it was kind of business as usual.
1: <laughs> it doesn't sound, sound like there was a lot of stability, does it? Um, look, you know, I think the COVID thing has been interesting. Certainly the journey uh, Network 10 has been on over the last decade has, um, has been an interesting one and well documented. And look, there, we, I, I think my personal view is is ten has come out much stronger um, for all the the, the changes and um, uh, things that went through. But yeah, look, it's been it's been an interesting ride, and look, a really a really great one for me too. Because obviously, through that that period, as you just rightly pointed out, there's been obviously quite quite a number of um, various CEOs and leaders, and I've been fortunate enough to to work with them all. And you know, you learn. Um, Good and bad from 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 people. So you know, I was really fortunate across the, the last decade with ten, and, and the, the number of changes that went through.
0: Well, one thing that interests me is now we've got this wider group. So we're we're two years into the merger or the remerger of Viacom and CBS, and it. it's it's starting to actually feel more like a group even in Australia you know you've got the the former Viacom channels of MTV and Nickelodeon and then in August we saw the launch of Paramount Plus do you do you wake up thinking still at heart you work for 10 or do you actually feel like you're in a bigger group now?
1: That's a really great question, Tim. The truth is uh, we all wake up now feeling part of a bigger group because the integration that's happened over the course of the last, really the last two years. Look, I mean, this, we, with CBS, um, yes, we reported into the um, domestic business um, and that was fantastic um, and there were some great leaders in the business um, and then obviously the Viacom-CBS merge uh, took place and really... That really defined, uh, I think, us as part of being being part of a, uh, well, one a global business, but a really strong connection into the international clusters. We are obviously falling into international. Our, our headquarters, if you like, is is based in the UK. But within that cluster, there's there's Canada, there's Israel, there's obviously the UK and Australia. So we certainly get the sense, um, uh, you know, that we're we're part of one a global business, but two the as you rightly point out that the platform and the assets have really expanded. So we we represent, well, the sales team represent all of our um, brands and assets um, on on every platform. So we simply just can't wake up and think about 10 anymore. Otherwise, um, we'll be missing a trick or two.
0: And then I'm sure one of the challenges for you, of course, is pretty much for the whole time that there's been the, 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 this merged organisation or certainly the vast majority, you've been out of the office as well. So just having the opportunity to build a team culture must have been quite different. I think the culture part is
1: really interesting. And I think that's something that, that not just our business, um, but but most businesses would have struggled with over the, 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 the last two years. Um, we we were quite fortunate uh, in, in Australia that you know, the vast majority of the team were already settled um, and, and part of 10. I think the, the big emphasis that we needed to put on uh, was really the, the, the newcomers that were coming into to the broader business from Viacom and indeed just more recently Paramount+. Plus. So um, I'm sure as soon as we're able and, and, and can get back into the office, there'll be a lot of social activity happening to, to really build that
0: culture. And let's talk about talk about the uh, programming year just gone. Um, for you, what are the uh, what are the hits and highlights, and what are the ones where you think, oh, kind of, you know, we didn't quite get there on what we promised the market. Yeah.
1: Um, look, I I'll start with how we're going to start um, next year, which is with I'm a Celebrity. Uh, that that show has really redefined summer, as far as I'm concerned. For so many years, Tim, as you know, we we, we were so um, heavily focused um, over that period just on sport and/or with television, which was which was you know pretty bad when you look back at it now. Um, we, we we simply just dumped repeats um, across the uh, across the summer period. As you know, we now work in a full year cycle. We don't just work to the ratings uh, week, so. Uh, we schedule for the full year. So, with having with having um, I'm a celebrity uh, there from the starting blocks and building that kind of um, momentum in the audience and ha- and have and creating a significant launch pad is um, is, is been such a, is a for us has been such a um, terrific um, um, selling opportunity.
0: And with celebrity, obviously, this year not being able to go overseas for it, did that make a difference? Do you think?
1: Uh, I actually, from, from our point of view, it's, it's, it's better from a, from a commercial point of view because obviously um, travelling product uh, l- locally or domestically is a lot easier than, than getting it overseas. Now, the programmers might think something different, um, but certainly from, from our point of view, it didn't impact the ratings whatsoever uh, and, and it was, as I said, a, a lot easier to, to integrate our sponsors.
0: Well, one of the ironies is um, last week as um, uh, I'm, I'm speaking to you from the UK where there's the UK version of I'm a Celebrity which wasn't able to come to Australia to film and they lost four days of live programming to storms and stuff. So I guess one of the things Australia has is at least slightly more reliable weather.
1: Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, and, and plenty of creepy crawlies that <laughs> still, still uh, yeah, you know, build a lot of fear into the, to the uh, celebrities.
0: So, okay. So, um, and going back to the sort of looking back at the year, so, um, you're yeah, happy with the, 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 start to the year with I'm a celebrity. Um, how do you feel it unfolded from there?
1: Yeah, I think for the, look, the start the start was excellent. It always builds that momentum for us. As I said, um, obviously we had some nuances in our schedule this year. Uh, because of COVID, one of those being Survivor ran later than it would normally. Uh, Thankfully, um, because I think it it gives us great momentum, even though The Amazing Race did amazing things, um, Survivor moving back into its um, home in um, post-celebrities
0: uh, the right place yeah because you were hoping for two seasons weren't you of survivor initially yeah i think
1: we sort of decided that you know but well, well look the the we we are often ran two in a year i think this year we went back to we, we, we could only do one so we only ever scheduled the one but it had to run later just because of timing and covid and we had to obviously pivot you, originally it, or traditionally we shoot it in fiji obviously it, it was then um housed in Queensland and will be again. Uh, so we, we, we do have to pivot. So, yes, we, we may have had thoughts around how could we run two, um, but I think the idea is always just to have one one series running a year because it's a heavy production. So having that back into its original um, slot, if you like, is uh, is going to create, continue that momentum straight into MasterChef. So I think as you, as you look at the highs and the lows, there's probably some key franchises that, look, we're, we're – we're, um, disappointing uh, but having said that I think that in, in terms of numbers having said that commercially all of our big tentpole programs have been a success I think that I- any franchise kind of gets to a point where it needs to have be somewhat reinvented and I think certainly the programmers are looking at, at what franchises need that sort of freshening up and, and we also Tim the other thing that we were challenged with this year was lock, various lockdowns. And I think all, all networks, uh, suffered slightly from people being, well, actually gained some upside with people being locked into their house, obviously. But obviously when, when freedom was given to, to, uh, people, they were out and about. So we did have some impacts around timing in some of our franchises. So it's, it's probably not fair to look at, um, you know, the pure thousands as success or not success because it really was quite an unusual year.
0: Yeah, look, maybe when we talk about sort of um, series, which certainly were, were perceived to underperform in numbers, we might find ourselves talking about The Bachelorette. Um, before we do, I, I suppose in context, what I found really interesting about 10 this year was, if I think back about, you know, its various presentations to the market, it gave a great deal of thought to how it positions itself. And there were two messages I was left with. One was under 50s. And the ironically disputed word undisputed. And the other thing was the message about being the most progressive of the commercial networks when it uh, it came to things like being the I'm pretty sure the first network to do a welcome to country before an upfronts, for instance. Um so I I suppose when we think about the Bachelorette, you know, the first um uh bisexual um competitor, for instance, um it clearly played a bigger role within the positioning of where the network wants to be seen and where it wants to be seen in the national conversation. Um, how did you feel about the numbers? Are, are you, I, I guess my question really is, 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 are you taking middle Australia with you or are you slightly too far ahead of them at the moment, do you think?
1: Look, uh, regardless whether we're slightly ahead of them, I think you've got to take a stance and our business um, really is a value-driven business, both locally and globally, and we just continue to strive to do better and make positive changes in the world we live in. So we're, and we're acutely aware that we have a platform and a voice that, that reaches, you know, globally over 4, 4.5 billion, but, you know, obviously locally, you know, our numbers. Um, and, and that comes with a responsibility. It's our job to, to, to raise you know raise the bar not lower the conversation and I think that you know we we will continue to to make sure that we have a diverse representation on screen and behind screen so to, to be honest with you the bachelor bachelor ad you know we we were super proud of and and I know the brands that lent in and, and sponsors uh, were equally prou- proud of it because of what it stood for um, and I think that you know we need to we need to you know, have sort of the, the the measurement is and the thousands is one part, but then there needs to be, which I keep pulling out to to the industry. We need to have another measurement, and that 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 simply has to be, you know, what 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 what's the what's the diversity on screen. Um, you make a good call because it's a it is a fine balance, um, but ultimately, if it's good TV um, and you know it, it 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 represents all of all of this country and all the different faces. Um, and all the different genders, then you, you should have a winning model. So I, I'm sure and, and confident that, that that we'll, you know, continue to be able to deliver that and continue to be able to find an audience that will follow it.
0: And, and one of the other questions, I, I suppose, for television on any network at the moment is we're seeing overnight broadcast numbers go down. You know, there's no doubt about that, you know, this year, I think for the TV industry as a whole, um, and of course, this was also the year that Voz launched, which gives us a sort of wider picture. Um, how, does that be, how does that affect the conversation that you have with the advertisers and the media agencies? You know, is it as easy to monetize catch up viewing as it is broadcast viewing? Or is there still some progress to go on that too?
1: Uh, look, there's a lot of demand in catch-up. I would say that, so we, 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 we call it on demand, not catch-up anymore. Um, so there is a there, with our BVOD product. Uh, there's a there's, the market is, is is quite hot, and we'll continue to we'll continue to see significant growth. Uh, the question I think you're asking is can, can can we make up the revenue on on the BVOD that that uh, as as we sort of have some we have declining um, declining audiences on on linear, the, the answer to that is yes, they, 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 we will be able to. And, of course, live TV is um, is enabling us to, to uh, monetize even further. But that's why the whole ecosystem is really important for us. We call it our playground, but um, how we push and pull the audience around our playground, if you like, um, is really critical. And, of course, Paramount Plus plays into that. We will soon launch uh, another AVOD service in, in this, this market, obviously, We've got a fairly significant AVOD service being Pluto TV that's being rolled out globally, and that will equally play into it. So I think it's it's actually about how do you how do you sort of manage both linear and and, and digital together, and at some point you know the digital revenue will outgrow the the linear, but at, at this point it's still it really is tim uh, i hate to use this term but it's the meat and potatoes um and, and and drives the biggest part of our revenue so it's super important to us we'll continue investing in the linear you'll continue to see um you know high quality good content um, being produced uh for the for the linear screen but equally next year we'll grow our library on on 10 plays so there's a lot of investment going in there as well
0: well for people who aren't familiar with Pluto, which you just referred to, that's been a real phenomenon out of the US, hasn't it? So that that effectively is, I suppose, I mean, tell me if I'm understanding it wrongly, but I'd see it almost as a, a sister service to Paramount Plus, but of course, advertising supported, but quite a deep library. And it's been driving some quite big audience numbers so we'll we'll see that in 2022 here in Australia then will we oh,
1: I, I, look I'm, I'm, I'm probably letting me cat out of the bag a little bit here um, but'm I'm not, I'm <laughs> not quite sure, I'm not quite sure of the exact launch date but one thing I can tell you is it's coming um, and it, and it won't be too far off we're not talking years off so um, you know obviously we've got to, we've got to get other things ready and right but it's it's certainly it's certainly on its way to Australia at some
0: point. And that, in much the same way that we um, uh, saw um, 10 All Access become Paramount+, Plus, presumably we'd see 10 Play become Pluto, would we, or would it, would it sit alongside the two?
1: I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure that's right, Tim. I think these are the, the nuances and, and the, the, uh, the structure that we need to look at, what's going to be best to serve our audiences um, and 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 of course our advertising partners. So we haven't landed that yet. Still, still a lot of work to do. But I can't see how they would um, merge. Um, but at this point, you know, look, we're 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 really enthusiastic about the ten play product. So um, we, as I said, we'll continue to invest and, and grow that library to grow the overall minutes.
0: Now, something you touched on, you know, about the importance of live TV, of course, is you know, arguably the two staples of live TV are sport and news. Arguably, if I had to pick the three sales directors, you've got the toughest job because you've got the least sport and arguably the least news resource as well. Um, is that a fair observation?
1: I love being an underdog, Tim. Um, it's it's the way we roll. Look, I, I don't see it that way. I mean, for... for um I'm sure others might, but I don't see it that way. We, I see we have such a huge opportunity with, with football, um, otherwise known as soccer in this country. But, you know, we're now, we're now, we're now the, the uh, um, home of football um, and we position ourselves uh, that way and we'll continue to, to, uh, to grow that sport. And look, that we, we always went into football knowing that it was such a huge opportunity to grow the sport. It meant a lot to us. In terms of how they they're positioned, you know, it's really inclusive. It's diverse. Uh, it certainly stood for a lot of the things that we stood for. Um, so it made a lot of sense. And of course, it's a global game. So when we talk to our counterparts within the business, they understand the game. Um, so it was it was really kind of a no brainer. Uh, but look, the, the the opportunity for us is. It is the highest participated sport in this country. We turn that past participation into viewers, and they're going to, to to winning gold. So, um, you know, I think that's the opportunity. I, I wouldn't say that. You know, we got the toughest job. We've had co- we've had commercial partners, um, you know, come out of the woodworks and and want to support it and be a part of it. So, um, we're enthusiastic about that. Obviously, we've got some marquee events, which are marquee events, but. Um, you know, we've got the AGP, the Australian Grand Prix, um, and indeed Spring Carnival Week, which we've just you know, not too long ago rolled out of, which are which are huge uh, ratings and money drivers for the business. So, um, and also a lot of fun to to attend.
0: <laughs> and um, uh, with a league, I presume something like that takes a year or two to really get all of the sponsors aligned. So, presumably, these few months we're not really seeing. Everything you'd hope to see yet in terms of support
1: well we've got look i think from from sponsors we 've got the commitments and, and the categories that, that we, we were chasing so i'm really pleased with where we've we've landed and, and we've actually we've exceeded expectations commercially the the uh, journey now we have is to really get australians um, aware that it's actually being broadcast and where it's being broadcast. Obviously, a lot of the games are on Paramount+. Plus. Um, that's a really good subs driver for us. But equally, we want to make it available to all Australians. So there's games on 10 play and, of course, there's, um, there's, there's games on, on 10 as well. So we, we always knew it was a building journey uh, with this sport, but we've been really encouraged uh, with, with both the A-League's uh, ratings today and, of course, the international games, They dominate in the 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 demos and have performed really well for us. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a long partnership. We've got you know five years. We've taken equity um, within the APL, so uh, we're we're behind it one hundred percent.
0: Well, let's uh, before we start looking forward to next uh, next year, uh, a couple other bits of housekeeping. It seems like a million years ago, but. I remember we were talking about how the there was a plan to bring james Corden out to australia your 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 up friend james Corden, having yeah. done the uh, the opening video with him um is that back on the agenda for next year are you likely to get him out in 2022 uh, do you think we'd love to get him out
1: and i know james would love to come out it's 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 a logistic thing more than anything obviously covid has uh created the headache for us that that, that made it not possible when we wanted to, but we're always talking to, to to the guys at CBS on how we can make that possible. Um, and you know, we haven't obviously we haven't slated a date, but we'll continue to talk to them and, and find a way uh, soon. Hopefully, Tim.
0: Well, let's yeah, let's talk a bit about um, next year. One of the things which certainly makes life interesting for me to write about is it feels that of the three networks, Ten is the one which has got the most new formats coming through. You know, which is is. From your point of view, I suppose both interesting and you know an element of risk because you haven't got the familiarity factor of an existing format just rolling out again um how are you thinking about the coming year what what sort of promises are you making to sponsors about audiences for some of the new shows yeah
1: i mean we've we've spent a lot of time with our um, agency partners our consortiums as we call them uh, and indeed our um, incumbent sponsors around where we're going to see the audience growth next year. Uh, and we have we have growth built into our schedule, no question. Uh, we we think a lot of things will be normalized uh, next year, particularly as hopefully we roll into what will be a much more normal year, less impact from COVID. So we have we know that there's there's pockets and areas where we needed to focus on. Um, I'll take MasterChef as a, as an example. Um, obviously that was in a very different position um, last year. Everyone was in their homes and, and the, the ratings went through the roof. Great new format um, in terms of the, the, the way we positioned it where all the uh, ex-contestants came, came back. Um, and indeed, we launched out our, our new judges, which which we were so pleased with, such a, a, a fresh-looking show. Um, and then this year, obviously, as I said, nuanced because um, because of lockdowns, etc. But we also knew that we needed to have a stronger hook. So next year we, we go into master Shift with the with a lot of the ex uh, contestants, including Ju- Julie Goodwin, uh, returning to, to really challenge it out in the kitchen. So we know uh, we know that we've got a lot of enthusiastic uh, partners already wanting to come on board, and, and we we know there's going to be growth growth in in the thousands on that. So um, that's a great example about how we can tweak a format to. To, to really lift the audience. And then, of course, as we get into the, to the second half, um, and actually, to be honest with you, our, our, our thousands and our ratings right right in this period now, now are growing. So, so, so we're pleased about that. So, look, the, the commitments we've made to our agencies and consortiums is around growth um, and, and, indeed, um, both audience growth and commercial share growth, and, and we're pretty confident around doing that.
0: And I guess in terms of investment in new formats, Hunted would be the biggest one?
1: Yeah. Look, I I think, firstly, I think it's really important that we keep delivering uh, new formats. The audience, our audience craves for that. We talk about a progressive audience, um, you know, just rolling out a consistent schedule is great, but you also need to to pepper that with um, new formats and something fresh, uh, and, and our audience expects that from us. So you know, even if that's a, a show um, that's that sits at eight thirty at night, um, or if it's a if it's a big franchise, their their expectation is that we'll deliver something fresh. Hunted is a great format that's worked overseas. That we're really confident that that will do great things out here. It's going to be shot in Melbourne. It's really fresh. It's really it's really different, um, and it's like nothing else that's on 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 the TV
0: screens at the minute. And what sort of age demographic do you think it will be attractive to?
1: Well, again, our, our acquisition model is always around the under 50s uh, and, you know, look, twenty five. the bullseye will be 25, 54. I mean, I think that's the interesting thing when you look at our, if you look at our um, schedule, Tim, from really from that, um, you know, that 6pm to 10.30, we we have the highest concentration of 25, 54. It's actually most of the demos. We have 45% of our... Uh, audience of half of our audience, let's call it, um, uh, sitting within um, the twenty five fifty four demo over that that, that time slot, um, which is vastly different to our competitors, which you know some skew much older. Uh, whereas you know um, over 65s we have such a small percentage within that that time slot. So you know, hunted and all our new formats are always targeted, at, um, uh, you know, in the demos. They'll never skew old, and, and I don't think we'll ever. We'd never get the older audiences anyway even when we we played dancing with the stars which just does skew very old um, we still we still had a much younger medium age across that across that format
0: and I think if I if I remember rightly I, I think you you did even better again proportionally in 1639 than 2554 didn't you is I guess I always wonder why you don't just lean into that one a bit more
1: yeah look, I think that the, that's a really interesting demo, and of course we yes you're right, we do fare better, um, and in fact, you know we, we kind of see based around I think it's around eight of our top fifteen uh, eight of the top fifteen uh, in sixteen to thirty nines are on ten uh, and I, look the, the the truth is is those the, that that demographic is um, is consuming content across a whole heap of platforms, um, and we we see a big surge, particularly in our on-demand services of that demo, and, of course, in Esfalt. So, I, I, yes, you're right, and, and indeed we do lean into it, but it's around how do we capture them across all of our platforms to, to kind of push them, pull them across uh, the broader 10-bike on CBS assets.
0: And just to put this year's undisputed under-50s claim to bed, um, I, I sort of I I get the sense you're talking you, you you explaining what you mean in a slightly different way now. Do you do you think on reflection, maybe when you first went to the market with the the undisputed under fifties network, you maybe went a little bit too far, do you think? No. Yeah,
1: I don't. I I think we've always made it really clear that we have a higher percentage of um the the under 50s and i I think it's amusing that 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 we've been criticized around that because on one hand everyone's talking around hyper targeting and they want less wastage and then on the other hand they're saying oh but you know a, a, a total people audience is is the right one to look at. Buyers don't buy it like that. You know that, Tim. They, 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 they buy demographics and, and they target demographics. And if we can deliver them efficiently without wastage, then in my mind, we are undisputed within those demos and within that demographic.
0: And I did get a bit of a sense this year that maybe the different networks weren't quite as good as speaking with one voice about television. You know, we saw... Uh, I think James Warburton from Seven came out and talked a bit about how the industry as a whole should be talking about overnight ratings versus later ones. Um, and there was some debate there again, everyone seems to say slightly different things about, uh, make slightly different claims about their tech stacks. Again, some different arguments about which metrics really count when it comes to uh, on-demand uh, viewing um do you think the TV industry can get back to speaking with one voice again?
1: Yes, I, I do. I, I think look, it, it's in, one. It's in our one. It's in our best interest. And, and I have to say, behind the scenes, there's a lot of cohesive uh, discussions going on, whether that's through um, Think TV or whether that's through OzTan, on how we best um, position ourselves as an industry. So there, there is a lot of work being done on on how we unite and come together. And I, and I honestly have a lot of faith in, in the industry. Uh, it's, it's, it's like no other medium, it reaches reaches uh, more Australians every day than any other medium. We, 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 just, we just, as, as the uh, measurement evolves, we just need to get super aligned. And that that work's being done now. We've obviously got a, um, a new chair sitting on Oztam, um, who's really enthusiastic, Mark Buckman, around bringing the, the team together. So, I have no doubts that that we all land a position which is a united front.
0: Well, um, again, I suppose I think about you and the difference between you and your two competitors, which is um, they're on an Australian financial year and owned by a US company, uh, which has a calendar financial year. So, I guess you'll have just locked in your twenty twenty budget. Um, and the thing about being in your role is you have to make some you know promises that you think you can keep. So, um. Have you promised your bosses a return to 2019 revenue levels?
1: Actually, to to, to I mean, to be honest with you, Tim, um, we, our our uh, revenue expectations are are higher than tw- 2019. We've we've been really fortunate um, commercially to uh, grow our revenue share and our overall revenue uh, across the last two years. So. I'm really pleased with the sales team. And I think part of that is that we don't, we sort of don't look behind us. We don't, you know, we don't spend a lot of time worrying about what you call our competitors are doing, whether it's seven or nine. Uh, the sales team are, are singly focused on on what they can deliver and they're, they're, they're idea centric. So that's really resonated with, with the market. And, and off the back of that, we've been really successful in, as I said, growing our our revenue and our revenue share, but also our premium. Uh, what we can offer advertisers in terms of our uh, integration and sponsorship partnership um, uh, elements is, is um, being really well received. So uh, our expectation and, and the company's expectation is,
0: is um, greater than that of what we delivered in 2019. It's a big promise. That is where we leave it. My thanks to Rob Prosser. And if it's not too early to say it, have a great Christmas break, Rod. You too, Tim. Uh, it
1: was wonderful chatting to you today.
0: Um, and uh, yes, have a very Merry Christmas. The Unmade Podcast is produced with the enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. More soon. I'm Tim Burrows. Toodle pip. Ah.